I believe we can all agree we're living in the most unique hour of history. God's raising up a prophetic generation to be a voice in the earth as we approach the defining point of God's eternal mystery, His Son's return to the earth, and of course, the salvation of all Israel. Stop for a moment and and meditate on that. Consider what's going on in your life right now. What's really important to you? How are the priorities lined up? Look into God's lens of the prophetic and the revelations He's making known to the church in these days. God's doing a great redefining of the church as we know it. Uh, When he returns, it'll be a church without spot or wrinkle. That would be next to impossible right now. A body of believers who don't love their lives even unto death. A church consumed with the work of the Holy Spirit as literally hundreds of thousands, yes, millions, embrace the blood-bought saving grace of the Messiah. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and, and welcome to the program today. Great curiosity and speculation regarding the end times, but perhaps we might not only pursue the intellectual knowledge being provided in these days, but more importantly, put first things first and forge a, a culture of understanding for why Jesus is returning in the first place and the extraordinary beauty of that plan. Yes, I said there's a beauty to that plan, and we'll be talking about that. As someone once said, we must position our lives so we can establish a a watering hole, so to speak, where the confused masses can gather at the end of the age for the refreshing necessary to complete the journey. This will take time. It's going to take energy and risk, courage and sacrifice, and certainly grace, but much of what's alien and presently lacking in the Christian culture today. It's mandatory that in the context of prayer ministry, a forerunner ministry must simultaneously develop. Prophetic people with an extraordinary wisdom of the times, gifted with the, the spirit of revelation, possessing the greatest realities of our generation, the prayer and the prophetic. We want to labor with our peers and our children, certainly our children, and hone an authentic passion for Jesus and his return, all part of God's redefining of the church to bring it to its divine mandate and apocalyptic evangelism, demonstrating the wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers of the air in the final crisis. Check it out. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It's a phenomenal verse. God's manifold wisdom is set to be displayed and made known to the powers of the air through the church of Jesus Christ. I believe it's going to be much more important we do that at the end of the age. I believe there there are three dynamics necessary to understand in this season. Certainly, we're living in a transitional generation that will culminate with the return of the Lord. Jesus tells us to know the season of his return, the false idea that the Lord discourages us from knowing anything about timing indicators, must be addressed because it holds the church in a state of blistering ignorance. Listen to Matthew 24, verse 33. This is Jesus 
So you also, he's talking to the, the, the disciples, when, when you see all these things, know that it's near, it's at the doors. All he just described to his disciples about the birth pains and the great tribulation. Verse 34, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. What generation? Which generation? The generation that sees the clear prophetic events taking place on the earth. Jesus is speaking of a much future time frame. The culminating end time events we read in scripture didn't all take place in Jesus' generation. The fulfillment of end times prophecy will take place in ours. Jesus gave only two conditions that must be met before his return, and we're the first, really, the first generation to see them. Uh, number one, establishment of the Jewish nation state, just like that, seemingly out of the blue. In the aftermath of, of World War II, Prophetic history took a, a giant leap forward back there in 1948. The proliferation of the gospel to all the nations. That technological ability is now available, and the witness to the nations is moving quickly. We also know that God's raising up a, a forerunner generation. We certainly talked about that in a number of recent episodes. God's raising up a, a generation of John the Baptists, marked with an anointing and a destiny, marked, a culture forged in, in corporate prayer and intercession that will hone and develop a generation for the task ahead. And thirdly, God's raising up a, listen, a global prayer movement to prepare prophetic forerunners by developing spiritual leadership in night and day prayer. Lifestyles of prayer and fasting are, are going to be mandatory for those who are called, a people of one thing. I love that phrase, one thing. Paul mentions it, and, and so does David, King David, back in Psalm 27, verse 4. Listen to this. One thing David desired, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, I know that may sound really ethereal at this point, but that kind of beholding will lead to a revelation in the Spirit. What did the Apostle John see when he heard these stunning words? Come up here, and I'll show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, John says in the book of Revelation, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. John sees the eternal father shown on the throne of heaven in the crystalline brilliance of a pure, flawless diamond and the stunning crimson of a jasper stone, one of white light purity representing the holiness of God mingled with the fiery red of his justice in divine wrath. And no, there, there's no contradiction between those two, love and wrath. God can do both at the same time. God's raising up a, a corporate prayer dynamic in the earth with a, a forerunner mandate to forge ahead, regardless of risk, whether it be persecution, imprisonment, even death, a people 
of one thing. Just as his first coming incorporated his birth, baptism, crucifixion, and, of course, his resurrection, his second coming is an apocalypse. It's a, it's a revelation that will reveal to the world exactly who he is. A time when the, the things hidden in, in the great plan of God throughout the ages will come to full light in the full-fledged collision of the mystery of the gospel and the mystery of iniquity. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, so that you come short in no gift, no gift at all, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Folks, this is the time for all that has been hidden throughout the ages to be revealed and to be brought to light. And he's going to use much of the church to do that. An epiphany, one of my favorite words, an appearing, a manifestation. The word carries the idea of drawing back the veil so that what's already there may be truly seen for what it really is. You know, I liken it to to spending much of our lives looking at the wrong side of a tapestry. Never done that? Things Things are blurry and they're indistinct on the wrong side. But when that tapestry is turned around and the veil is lifted from our faces, things become clear and distinct. The veil's lifted from our eyes. Listen to what Paul says. But we all, with unveiled face, Paul says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That word transformed is interesting. It's translated metamorphosis in English, moving from one state to another. Now, that's not moving from Ohio to Indiana. That's moving from one physical state to another state. In God's economy, that's called glorification. Now, can I explain that? No, but I I can liken it to the, the caterpillar who puts some energy and a lot of work into constructing a cocoon in which he he eventually rests. That's interesting. I do believe that's called uh, metamorphosis. Over time, that rest comes to an end, and what emerges is a beautiful butterfly who no longer is designed to crawl on the ground. He's moved to a different state, and, and now he soars. Different DNA? I'm not a biologist or... Nor was I a science major, but he sure looks differently and he acts differently. These terms we're speaking about today relate to the forerunner, the prophetic voice of the coming day, making sense of those unprecedented activities of the Holy Spirit just prior to the return of the Lord, leading to the ultimate change that Paul says is going to be necessary to even enter God's kingdom, because flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the whole chapter. Listen, the the glory of the second coming of Jesus is directly tied to prayer and worship. I'm going to read from 2 Chronicles chapter 5. This is when the Ark of the Covenant, the, the very presence of God in the Old Testament, was being brought into the temple. Indeed, it came to pass... When the trumpeters 
and the singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the, the glory of the Lord filled the entire house of God. Brothers and sisters, that's the glory cloud. That's the real thing. That's the real deal. I believe in all my heart that the end-time church will be so moved into a holy expectation of the Lord's soon return, pastors and, and praise and worship teams and churches all over the world will be stunned by the beauty and the holiness of His presence during this time. It'll be impossible to conduct church as usual because of, of the glory of the Lord. Boy, I look forward to that. God takes that glory to full measure at his return. There's a purpose to the second coming. He's coming back to deliver the church, Jew and Gentile. He's coming back to to raise the dead. He's coming back as a God-man, a Jewish man, to deliver his people in a day, all in one day. He's coming back to banish the tyrants, to, to rule and reign in the nations on the earth. Folks, let me give you the understatement of the day. We're entering the most dynamic days in world history. Days that will require what God requires of his people. Not sacrifice, but love and obedience. A privileged heart that will require a much greater response. Start weaving your cocoon because change is coming. Let's pray. Lord, as you taught us to pray... Come, kingdom of God, be done, will of God, right here on earth, just like it's already done in heaven. Prepare our spirits and prepare our bodies, yes, our our earthly temples to experience your glory in our prayer life, our relationships, our churches. We want to know your fullness in our lives as you prepare us to meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen and amen. I'm Bill Nordstrom. God bless each and every one of you.